Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Okay, let's take a short minute to welcome each other this morning. the glory, great things he has done.
Josh Daly, will you lead our prayer? Good to be back in the house of the Lord after a brief getaway. Thank you, Brother Danny, for uh, leading uh, worship and, and choir for helping him. And um, I was, I promise you, I, I did miss you all, and I'm glad to be back. So um, I didn't get a sunburn, in case you were wondering. Uh, it was cold in Florida. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the next song is not new by any means, but the choir was not very familiar with it. So we're just going to test your knowledge of hymns and see if you're familiar with Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Will you stand, choir?
shall ever be. How marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Church, you may be seated.
amen and amen. I was going to sing in the choir this morning. <clears throat> I couldn't hit that last high note, so I elected to wait a week. I feel like something was wrong with my throat this morning, but uh, thank you, choir, for that beautiful, beautiful song that you've shared with us. Thank you for taking us to the throne of mercy and worship this morning. And we do believe. We do believe, we do believe in the timeless truth, the Word of God, the same today, yesterday, the same tomorrow, the same forevermore, and if we cannot stand on the truth of the Word of God, we have no reason to be here this morning. So praise God for His Word, the timeless truth. This morning, we gather together, we look to a passage of Scripture that has been used as a great theme of motivation. It's used as a motivating theme. And I mean, the last verse of this passage speaks the words that, that you are free indeed. And, and what better rallying cry for the believer than to know that we have been set free indeed. And what, what greater longing for a non-believer than freedom? I mean, quite honestly, who doesn't want to be free? If I were to stand in any crowd, not just the crowd at the church house, but in any crowd, and I were to stand and say, I want everybody that wants to be free to come to this side, and everybody that wants to be in bondage and restriction to come to this side, I'm pretty sure the, the room would be heavy to one side, whether they were believers or not. So, of course, a text that says you can be free indeed is going to be a great text of motivation that spells out a truth. And it is going to be... A great text of motivation to us this morning. But there's also a hard truth that's located inside of this text. Because the statement, free indeed, actually paints us a picture. That word indeed literally means truly, or honestly, or completely. And so if you say that if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed, you will be truly free, then that means there are going to be some who are not truly free. You see what I'm saying? If, if some are going to be completely, truly, totally free, there are going to be some that are not to totally free. Excuse me. In other words, some are going to have a true salvation. And there are going to be some who have a false salvation. Now, what do you mean, Brother Jason? Well, this idea is not a new idea by this point in the Scripture. In Matthew 13, we see... That the wheat and the tares, it says that they grow together. You can't even tell them apart as they grow. You don't know which is which. And it is not until the end, when, when the fruit is produced, it's not until the very end that you can even tell which was a wheat and which was a tear. In John's Gospel in chapter 6, at the beginning of the chapter, we see that Jesus is teaching and it says that many drew to him as disciples. And this is in John chapter 6 at the beginning. By verse 66, it says that of this same group where many had been drawn to him, by verse 66 it says they followed him no more. And so what that means is that, is that there were some who drew near to his teaching, but when the rubber hit the road and it no longer was beneficial to them and it no longer tickled their fancy and it no longer said what they wanted it to say, they pulled away and went away to their own devices. They didn't want to follow Jesus anymore. Well, my friends, salvation is not something that you gain and lose. Salvation is a forever salvation. What that means is that they never did know Jesus. They knew him intellectually. They knew what they wanted to know about him. They knew him as a genie in a bottle who was telling them what they wanted to hear. But when it came to the difficulties, in other words, they wanted to hear when Jesus said, I'm here to set you free. But they didn't want to hear, if, if I'm persecuted, you're going to be persecuted with me. And so when the difficulty came, they said, I don't want to follow that guy anymore. Well, you're not set free by the Son if you're not totally committed to him. In chapter 6 of John, we see in, chapter, in verse 70 and 71 that there was even one of his innermost disciples who's labeled in John 6, chapter, verse 70, 
as a demon and a betrayer. And even in the upper room, when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, nobody looked around and said, ah, it's Judas, I've known it all along. So that tells me that even though he was labeled in John chapter 6, even in the upper room, nobody recognized that he wasn't a true disciple, or else they would have pointed it out quickly. But instead they say, oh, it's not I. Surely not I. Surely not I. And this morning we look to the subject of freedom in Christ. And unfortunately, to get to the motivational text, we got to dig through the difficult text that says some simply are going to be believers in name alone. They're simply going to be disciples in name alone. Please stand now if you are able in the house for the reading of our holy text from John's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you thankful for your spirit's presence so far, Lord God. God, we recognize that it is a true gift that we would dwell with you as people this morning. And God, we pray that you would have your way and your will in the remainder of this service through the teaching of your word. God, if there would be a word to come from my mouth that is not of your Holy Spirit, God, would you bind my tongue and remove it? God, would you take any devil or any demon that might hinder us from worship of you at this point and escort it right out the door that it came in at this moment? God, that you would be glorified, that you would increase and throughout this house, not just me, but we would decrease. And that you would have your way and your will. God, we love you and we will give you the glory because you deserve it, God. And it is in your precious name that we pray, as all of God's children said, as you are seated. The first thing that we're going to look at this morning is the definition of a disciple. The definition of a disciple. So here in verse 31, we're introduced to a group that really carries over from verse 30. In verse 30 it says, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And so Jesus has been teaching, he's been talking about his departure, he's been defending his witness about himself, about him being a descendant of God, about him being the son of God, and he's been teaching all these things, and people have started to believe, people have started to follow. Verse 30 says, even many that believed in him. And so in verse 31 he says, to those who believed in him. So they carry over and we get here, and he says to those, if you abide in me. Now that really literally means if you remain, if you stay, if you live, if you take up residence, if it takes roots in you. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples truly. And so if you remain in my word, you're truly a disciple of mine. And so by Jesus saying that, we recognize that there are going to be some that are not going to abide in the word, that are not going to truly be the disciples. And he's quite, quite frankly just pointing out a simple truth, that the way we're going to recognize whether we're true disciples of Jesus Christ is whether or not we live according to his word. That's going to be the measuring mark of whether or not that we really came to know Jesus Christ. One who is merely jumping on the Jesus train because of a feeling or a thought or a season in their life is not going to remain abiding in the Word. Why? Because the Word of God comes against the flesh. It causes us to do differently than we want to do. Why? Because our flesh desires earthly things. But the Word of God calls us to spiritual things. And so what are we going to do when our desires match up against the Word of God? Well, if you're a true disciple of Christ, you're going to bend to the Word of God and quit doing what you want. But if you're not a true disciple of Christ, it's going to play out in the fact that you're going to continue to do whatever makes you happy and you're going to justify it by whatever means necessary. And Jesus says, this is how you're going to know if you're a true disciple if you abide in my word. 
That, that passage should be underlined and highlighted and marked and circled and exclamation pointed in everybody's Bible. Those of you that don't have a pen now, call me. I'll tell you which verse it was later. But you need to underline that, circle it, highlight it, exclamation point it, box it in, put on there, Jason Mall said, if you want to. We should continue to remain and abide in the Word of God. And so what does that mean? It means obedience. Obedience to everything. Obedience to everything that the Word says. A life pattern of obedience. Well, that's, that's hard, Brother Jason. True. But the life of a true disciple will be marked by an overwhelming obedience. That's why the Great Commission, think about what the Great Commission says. It doesn't say go into the world selling fire insurance to anyone that you can get to repeat the ABCs. It says go and teach them all the things that I've commanded you. That's what Jesus said. Everybody gets it back. Everybody hears the go. And everybody talks about the commission. But everybody forgets that it's not about going out there and saying, hey, there's a hot hell and you can get out of it with a cheap Jesus. That's not what salvation is. The Great Commission says that you're to go to them and you're to say there's a great sin problem in your life and there's a holy God that made you and loved you enough to provide a Savior for your soul and His name is Jesus. Let me tell you what He did for you. Now what are you going to do with that? That's great. Now here's what you do next. Here's the word of God that teaches us what we do. He says, teach them everything. When you get saved, you do not confess Jesus just as Savior, but you confess him as your Lord. You become his slave, and he becomes your master. That's what it means to declare someone as your Lord, is that you make him your master. In other words, he gives the commands, he gives the orders, he is the sovereign, he is the ruler. He's the director, and my part is to be obedient. Guys, we, we have all had, if I, if I were to ask every one of you privately in conversation, if you've ever had a boss in the secular world that you felt like gave you commands sometimes that you didn't necessarily want to obey, but you went ahead and obeyed them anyway, and you'd say, Quite often, you didn't want to obey them because you felt like that boss had their own selfish interests at heart. They didn't have your best in mind when they gave you those commands. Well, I got good news for you. Being a slave to Christ is the best kind of slave to be because in my copy of God's Word, it tells me that to love Him is to obey Him. And it tells me that if I obey Him, then that means I love Him and that if I love Him, He's working all things together for my good. That's the best kind of master to have. I don't know about you guys, but I like working for a master that I know has got my best interest at heart every single time. You know what that makes it easier to do? It makes it easier to obey him when I don't understand. It makes it easier to say, God, I don't know why you're taking me down this road, but you've taken me through so many storms, I can't doubt that you're going to get me through this one as well. So I'm just going to submit to you right now. I don't know what your plan is, God. It don't make no sense to me, but I believe you're bound to have one. I believe you're bound to have a plan for me now. And this topic is not one that's brought up just right here in this text either. John, he was so consumed with this topic of true salvation that in his first epistle, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, he says, The one who keeps my commandments abides in me and me in him. In chapter 5, verse 33, he says, This is the love of God that we would keep his commandments. In chapter 2, verse 4, he says, The one who says, I have come to know him but doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. And so what is the measurement of true faith? Do you live according to the word of God continuously in your life? Your testimony is not a one-moment story in your life where you tell somebody about one time when you made a profession. If you are a true believer, then your testimony is evolving every moment and every day as you continue to abide in the word of God. Enduring faith is a gift from God according to Ephesians chapter 2. 
And that enduring faith cannot be destroyed. That's why the devil couldn't crush the faith of Job. That's why he couldn't ruin the faith of Peter. That's why he couldn't stop Paul with an onslaught of troubles because the faith was a true and enduring gift of God. And that is why if you have a true faith in God, the devil can't crush your faith either. He cannot separate you from the power of God's love. And so the mark of a true disciple is perseverance. But look at Judas. We see the, the, the poster child for a false disciple in Judas. And what happened to his faith the moment that he looked around and thought he wasn't going to get everything that he was expecting to get out of the deal? He found the bigger, better deal, didn't he? He said, boy, this Jesus ship looks like it's going down. Boys, I'm going to cash in my 30 pieces of silver. This Jesus ship, it ain't going to make it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the wolves are surrounding. And Jesus, he ain't going to make it long. I better find my way back with the Pharisees because I don't want to go back to where I was before. You know, the problem with that is that he was worried about not going back to where he was before. But for a believer, we say we can't go back to who we were before because we have been transformed. We've been renewed. We're a new creation. And whatever this ship goes, I'm going to ride with it because I know if it goes underwater for a minute, God's going to float it back up with holes in the bottom because he's that much of a God for me. The mark of a true disciple is one who will persevere in faith. So ask yourself this question this morning. Is your life marked by obedience to the Word of God? Is your life steeped in obedience to the Word of God. When the Word of God brushes up against you and it kind of rubs you funny, you know, we studied through the epistle of James on Sunday nights. We, we studied this, and James's whole letter was to ask him, are you really a believer? That's what the whole letter was about. And then he said, he said, what happens when the Word of God comes against you and it's different than what you already thought. Do you bristle your back and turn around and pitch your little whiny fit and stomp your feet? Or do you say, well, the Word of God must be the truth and I am going to be obedient to what God's Word says? Because that's how you determine whether or not you're a true believer in Christ. Not do you do what you want to do anyway, but do you do what God's Word says? But the good news is, there's some benefit to being a true disciple. Look at verse 32. The benefit is truth and freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now I venture a guess if you were to look at the inverse statement, you would be... Think about that. Think about the inverse statement. I thought about this this week. The inverse statement is this. You can be ignorant and a slave to your ignorance. Now there ain't nobody jumping on the dumb bandwagon. I don't know some of you look like it every now and again, but some of you have seen me and thought I was standing straight in it, and I probably was. But there ain't nobody going to stand up and go, let's see, we got truth and freedom over here. We got, we got ignorance and slavery over here. Let's see. That's not a thought that we have to have, right? So there is a benefit to being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. It's that you get the truth and that you get freedom. But Romans 1.18 says it's a characteristic of a fallen people to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So what that means is that those who don't believe are going to try everything they can to suppress the truth of what we believe. If you were to take your intelligence of the truth and freedom that you possess as a child of God and you were to go to one of the greatest college campuses in America America today and you were to waltz into the philosophy department where they're trying their best to treat to teach truth to a bunch of college students and you were to tell the professor I have the complete and I have the total truth and he were to say well great would you share it with us and you were to stand up and you were to say the complete and the total truth is that you are a sinner but Jesus Christ loved you enough to die for you they'd run you out of there uh, with, a, with a pitchfork burning on its end because they don't want to know the truth why because the unrighteousness Righteous will suppress the truth. But the good news is, the good news is that the truth of Jesus Christ has been attempted to be thwarted since the beginning of time, but his word never fails. 
This is the word by which people were being saved in the times of Paul, in the times of Silas, in the times of Timothy, in the times of D.L. Moody, in the times of Charles Spurgeon, in the times of A.W. Pink, and in the times of Jason Mull. These are the words by which people will be saved. And in the times of my children and in my children's children, if the Lord tarries long enough, these are the same words by which people will be saved. And the world will still be trying to stomp out the word of God. But it will never succeed because the word of God is eternal. Think about who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to a bunch of Jews. And these Jews had been so marked by legalism and so marked by burden of carrying out the law that they had created. Everything in their life was about doing the right thing to be counted holy to God. They had to, to, to walk a certain number of steps on this day and eat a certain thing on this day and live a certain way on this day and talk to this person and pray this prayer and do this thing because they were attempting to find out how they could make themselves holy. And that's what their whole life was marked under. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to you all who are weak and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. These guys were always struggling with the thought that it, that, that it was a burden and Jesus was saying it's not a burden to be saved. In fact, Jesus was saying it's a freedom to know the truth. But you got to be willing to let go of what you thought the truth was and accept that it's quite simply the word of God. And that's where the Jews really, really struggled. And so he said simply to them, if you abide in my word, which is the truth, it's going to make you free. But look at verse 33 with me. We start to see that, uh, that they're struggling with a simple thought. As we recognize that their lineage means nothing. So Jesus starts talking about freedom. He starts talking about truth. He starts talking about being true disciples. And they answer him with this, with this statement. <laughs> we are Abraham's descendants, sir. Uh, Mr. Freedom Man, in case you didn't know this, Mr. Truth Peddler Jesus guy, in case you didn't recognize who you had gathered, we are descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anybody. We are the freest group of people in the universe, Jesus. Why are you talking about freedom? Now, real quick, let me just remind you that in the lineage of these free descendants, they had been slaves in Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and at this time they were slaves in Rome. So physically, they had been slaves plenty of time. But let's say that they were spiritual enough to, to get past that. Jesus is trying to teach them that their lineage doesn't equal spiritual freedom. He's trying to teach them that their bond to sin has nothing to do with what their daddy or their granddaddy or their great-granddaddy had done. But they're so hung on their holiness from their, from their legalism that they can't get it. And at verse 34, Jesus says, well, let me paint it a different way. He says, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin. He says, I'm not coming to offer you a freedom of your lineage. Congratulations on your wonderful heritage of being born to the right person. By the way, you're welcome. That was my plan for you. But what I am here to offer you is a freedom from sin. Because regardless of who you were born to, you still have to have freedom from your own sin. So what does the gospel offer? Total freedom from slavery to sin. Total freedom from the power of sin. Total freedom from the control of sin. Total freedom from the blindness of sin. Total freedom from the oppression of sin. Total freedom from the fear that we can't overcome sin. So what's that mean? I don't know about you guys, but I've been in some dark places. And I've been ensnared by some sins that held me pretty tight. I couldn't overcome them. But you know who did? When I gave them to Jesus Christ, he set me free. And you know what I didn't need? I didn't need a 12-step program. I didn't need to 
to tell a whole bunch of people, hi, my name's Jason, and I got this problem. What I needed to do was come to the one who could set me free and say, Jesus, set me free. I'm yours. And he set me free. Now, all those other things, they can help you along the way. I'm not, I'm not knocking any of those things. But it's got to start with Jesus. Because that's the only one that can set you free from your burden of sin. The Jews wanted to stand on their lineage for their salvation. And Jesus saying, it doesn't matter that you're the descendant of a faithful man. Your slavery is your own slavery. The same thing is true today. If you are basing your salvation on something someone in your family did. Well, my daddy was a Baptist preacher. Good. My grandmama taught the Sunday school. She taught the children's Sunday school class up at the Baptist church for 39 years. And then she taught the senior adults for 44 more. She started teaching when she was 12. She taught she was 106. I'm bound to be Baptist saved because my grandmama was a good woman. I'm sorry. Grandmama couldn't save you. Now, if grandmama could, she was probably one that would try. God knows my grandmama tried. But despite her best efforts, it still took Jesus to save me. And Jesus says to him a story. He begins to use the culture of slavery. Jesus has a way of using these things that they'll understand, things that are going on in their culture. He says to him, a slave, a slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And what he's really saying to him is in that time in the culture of slavery, a slave could belong to this house today, and then the, the master could decide to strike up a trade with Joe on the other side. Of, I don't know if there are any Jewish guys named Joe, but if there were, he could have struck up a trade with Joe, and they could have traded slaves today. And so the slave may have lived in this house today. He may have lived in this house tomorrow. He may have lived over there the next day. He never did have a place that he would call his own. But he says, but the son, now the son of the master, he remains in the house forever. He doesn't have to wonder where he's going to be tomorrow. He doesn't have to wonder what's going on. He says the son is going to remain forever. But 2 Corinthians 6.18 says to us that he will be our father and we will be his sons and daughters. Now think about that with me for a minute. I want you to connect these dots. It's going to take a minute. Good news. We don't have to live like slaves with no permanent home if we abide in Christ. We've already got our permanent home in Jesus Christ. And once we belong to him, nothing can pluck us from his hand. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing, no, nothing. What? Nothing. That's a fancy Greek word. Nothing, you know what it means? Nothing. In the present tense of the Greek, it still means nothing. I want to make sure you guys have that. We are joint heirs with Jesus. But you know the best part about the lineage, it doesn't matter. So I spoke about those of you that had the Baptist preacher and the, uh, the goddess grandmother. But there's a whole other group of people who lived their life thinking they weren't good enough to come to Jesus because they had a drunk daddy. Or a murderer mama. Or a thief for a cousin. They said, I'm not good enough. And maybe, maybe people in the church looked at them like they weren't good enough. I don't know. But the good news about the lineage, it doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't matter how good your lineage is. It doesn't matter how bad it looked. Jesus Christ is still the only answer that you have for your, for your burden of sin. It doesn't matter if you're the son of a drunk or the son of a preacher. You still need Jesus and you can still have Jesus. And finally this morning as we wind to a close, we get to look at that last verse and the freedom that is truly free. Jesus is continuing with this analogy to the life of a slave. And he says, if the son makes you free, then you're truly free. You're truly free if the son makes you free. So what do you mean life of a slave? Well, in that culture, the son of the master, particularly the oldest son of the master, and get this, 
even more particularly the only son of the master. You see where I'm going with this? The only son of the master had the authority to speak on behalf of the master. So that means in that culture, the only son of the master didn't have any other brothers to struggle with, rank with. So the only son of the master had the authority to look out on the plantation and say, that one, that one's free. And you know what happened to that one? He was truly free. Never to be sold again. Never to be burdened again. Never to be bought, traded. Truly free. This morning, Jesus, as the only son of the Father, is offering that same freedom to everyone. That indeed freedom. That true freedom. That freedom that's beyond all human comprehension. You know, you don't have to be defined by your sin anymore. You don't have to be defined by your sin anymore. Do you know that once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my copy of God's Word says that your identity becomes Jesus Christ. That means when God looks at you on the day of judgment, He's not going to see you and all your failures. You know what He's going to see? He's going to see His perfect Son. That means your identity is Christ from that point on. You know what the good news about that is? Is that no matter what you've done to get here, no matter what you've done to bring yourself to that point, once you come to know Jesus Christ, you're not identified that way anymore. Oh, sure, there may be some people in the world that throw a scarlet letter at you, but I don't care. Rahab had one too, and she is in the lineage of Jesus. I'll take that. I don't mind if the world don't like what I look at. I don't care if the world continues to tell me that everything I used to do was a problem. What I care about is that a Savior saved my soul and that my identity is in Jesus Christ from this point on. They say, oh, Brother Jason, you remember when you used to? I sure do. I thank God I don't do it anymore. Brother Jason, did you know that guy going to your church? Do you know what he used to do? I say, yeah, I used to do it with him. Bless God, we're both set free now. Your identity doesn't have to be in what you used to be. Your identity can be in Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? How do we respond this morning? Well, first, say you need to ask yourself, are you a true disciple? The Word of God says that many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They'll say, but we did things in your name. We claimed you. We got on Facebook. We shared the share this post if you love Jesus. We argued with the atheist on Facebook. We told them they were going to hell. Jesus said, you didn't know me. You didn't know me. And by the way, your works, they were just filthy rags anyway. So you need to ask yourself, are you a true disciple? Or are you depending on a one-time response to a to a heartfelt revival service where a good intention pastor said right, everybody close their eyes if you don't want to go to hell raise your hand right, if you raise your hand I want you to come forward and I want you to be baptized today but your life never changed nothing ever changed in your life nothing was ever different your life was never marked by obedience to the word of God that means you didn't come to know the same Jesus of the Bible I'm not knocking the well-intentioned pastors. They had the best of intentions. But the Word of God says, to be truly free, you will abide in the Word of God. So ask yourself this morning, have you been set free by Jesus Christ indeed? And if you haven't, come and make that right this very morning because you don't know how many more opportunities you're going to have. And maybe you're here and you say, Brother Jason, I'm just heavy laden. I'm shackled by a heavy load. I'm burdened by my sin. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way is up. Would you come this morning and lay that at his feet and be set free from your burdens that hold you back? Because he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as our musicians come? Father God, Lord, we stand before you. And we're thankful for your word. 
God, we're thankful for your mercy. But God, as we hear your word, it brushes against us. Because we love our sin. We don't want to, God. We want to be better. We want to be good. But God, your word says we're not. So God, give us a conviction of the things in our life that separate us from magnifying and glorifying your name the way that we were created to do. God, call it to our attention and give us the conviction and the courage to lay it at your feet this morning. Say, I'm not going to carry this anymore. I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. And God, for that person in here this morning, he said, I don't know if my life's been different. I don't know if my testimony is ever evolving. I don't know if I'm really abiding in the word of God. God, would you give them the conviction that only you can give them, God? Would you save them this morning? Give them the courage to stand and say, I want to follow Jesus. God, we'll give you the glory for all the things you've already done in this house and all the things you're going to do in the remainder of our time. For it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.